Ari Rosenbaum here with another fun-filled episode of the F1K Podcast. This week's topic, we're going to talk about 401k plan sponsors and how they need to sweat the small stuff. And of course, first things first, go to that 401ksite.com for further information on all our live events. we got three coming up in September. September 10th, we will be in St. Louis at Bush Stadium. September 24th, we will be at Minneapolis at Target Field. And a special Wednesday, September 29th, we'll be in Planet Houston at uh, Minute Maid Park. Uh, game tickets available for each day uh, if you want to come that, that night. Of course, we're going to have special guest Al Roboski, the man Karian will be our guest in St. Louis. Tony Oliva, which I just met uh, this past weekend at a baseball card show out here in Long Island. Uh, he'll be our guest in Minnesota. And of course, Phil Garner, former Astros manager. 79 Pirate, 86 Astros player. Uh, he will be our guest at the uh, Houston event. And Las Vegas, we booked it for January 21st, 2022. That's a Friday night. Uh, fr- I'm sorry, that's a Friday day. Uh, it'll be at the New York, New York Hotel and Casino. A um, bunch of us, the, pr- uh, the night before, where I think we are going to go to the Golden Knights game. Uh, obviously, go to that 4 site.com for further information. Um, obviously anybody, uh, plane provider wants to sponsor the event, certainly reach out to me. Sponsorship start as low as 500 bucks. And, uh, I'm in the midst of reviewing some of the bids from other venues around the country. Um, we should have a decision soon on some of the other events, uh, that we will have in 2022. Um, you know, hopefully this Delta variant, uh, issue doesn't grow more and more, but, um, Go to that 401ksite.com again for more information. Um, they always have the – now go back to our topic. They always talk about don't sweat the small stuff, and that's based on a book by Richard Carlson. Um, it's a book from the 1990s. Uh, the problem is is that a 401k plan sponsor shouldn't uh, – you know, can't sweat the small stuff. They they They, they – Actually, I'm sorry, they need to sweat the small stuff. And uh, the problem is is that often plant sponsors ignore the small stuff. And um, 401k plant sponsors truly need to identify uh, and be concerned about these small issues. And, uh, you know, one of the biggest mistakes uh, a plant sponsor can make uh, is dealing with hiring plant providers. Um one of the biggest problems uh, that I've and I, I've talked about so many times is uh, you know working on my house, um, and you know the different renovations and expansions and whatnot over the last sixteen years. Um, the biggest mistake I ever made uh, with one particular contractor who uh, renovated some bathrooms and built an extension to the house. Uh, we had a parting of the ways after Hurricane Sandy. We eventually had to sue them. Uh, we did get a settlement from it. But uh, the biggest mistake we ever made was uh, we would get a pricing from them. We didn't benchmark it against what other contracts would charge. And once we had a parting of the ways with them, uh, the parting of the ways really was because they wouldn't finish a job that they originally contracted to because of Hurricane Sandy. Uh, Hurricane Sandy, they saw just, you know, uh, dollar signs uh, with people needing to fix their houses because of flooding and whatnot. 
and they gave us this pricing to renovate after the flood and it was just ex extremely expensive these guys didn't do any painting and it was just like exorbitant amount of money for a little amount of work and uh, eventually we did benchmark their fees and we um, we realized how over the period of time that we had to use them that they were extremely expensive um, you know when dealing with your own money uh, you could be cavalier about it and waste it as a plant sponsor you know as a 4k fiduciary you know plant sponsors can't afford to waste money um, plant fiduciaries really need to be more careful about uh, the retirement assets of their employees um, because that higher duty of care when dealing with the uh, assets of other people than you know obviously your own um, Plant sponsors really can't hire plant providers by picking name out of a hat or finding the first provider you meet. Uh, you know, I've done that again with contractors of some sorts, and uh, most of the time it's been a bad idea. Um, plant sponsors really need to meet with a handful of plant providers for each plant provider position, you know, TPA, attorney, financial advisor, and decide which one is obviously the best fit. Uh, a plant sponsor should never pick a plant provider just because they're cheap or they're related to somebody or there's you know some sort of relationship. Um, you know they, you know they happen to do your payroll or whatnot. Um, plant sponsors really need to develop a process in place to review potential providers and have a criteria selection process that is rational when it comes to selecting a plant provider. That you know, and it's important that the plant provider be the right fit at the right price. Uh, which in the right price is just a fee that's reasonable for the services that are being provided. Another small stuff that I think plant sponsors forget about is um, not identifying all the fees. Uh, you know, when you buy a, a soda, two liter soda at the supermarket, you know exactly how much you're paying for it. Uh, the problem. You know, you go buy a sandwich at the local deli, there's a price. You know what it is. Um, the same thing when you go put on tires for your car. Uh, the problem with the retirement plan industry, I still think to this day, is uh, they're not really satisfied with just one fee. I think a TPA that just would advertise, you know, we will charge one fee. This is it. Bottom line, this is the sticker price. Uh, no ifs, ands, or buts. I think that they would have a marketing advantage over a lot of the other um, TPAs out there. The problem, you know, with the retirement plan industry is while, you know, risk attorneys charge by the hour or flat fee, which I do, and I, I think I, I do a better job with that, um, and advisors do charge on an asset based or flat fee. Uh, more and more advisors are doing that. The TPAs just can charge you any which way but lose. Um, a TPA can charge a plan one or more of the following ways. A base fee, a participant fee, or an asset base fee. And these fees can be charged proportionally per person or per capita. Uh, the fees could or could not be reduced by revenue sharing sub-TA fees paid by particular mutual funds in a, a 401k plan. And, uh, you know, one of my favorite stories is that, uh, you know, when we talked about revenue sharing and fee disclosure, 
Um, I joked that TPAs would create fees to offset the fact that they had to be more transparent. So there was one TPA in particular that I used to work for that uh, when it came time to disclosing revenue sharing, they just created a new fee called the, uh, uh, the custodial maintenance fee of 25 bips or whatever it is. And it was just a way for them to um, reclaim some of that uh, revenue sharing that they weren't transparent on. Uh, you know, the problem is, is that you know, again, when you buy that two-liter soda or, you know, working, uh, getting a bill from Marissa attorney, uh, you know what the fee, you know what the fee is going to be when you get that invoice or what the charge is. Uh, the problem is that the TPA business, nobody charges the same fee. Um, and plan sponsors really need to identify all the fees being charged to the plan and understand what they are. Uh, without understanding and identifying the fees, the plan sponsor will actually have no idea whether the fees being charged to the plan are reasonable for the services being provided. And so, you know, when you're being told the fee is 25 bips or it's $50, you know, it, it's like becomes a, a, a almost like a uh, mathematical equation, like an algebraic equation. Uh, and the plan sponsor, most of the time, you know, sweats the small, you know, doesn't sweat the small stuff and forgets about it. And uh, I think that that's obviously one of the mistakes that plan sponsors do, not really identifying and, and, and understanding what each fee that the TPA charges and, and what it is and how it relates to maybe what another TPA charges. Um, Another small stuff. Uh, another uh, small stuff that uh, plant sponsors ignore and that they should not, uh, that they do need to sweat, is plant provider contracts. Um, I think people forget a contract is a legally binding document with consequences for both parties that they, you know, that enter into it. And the problem is, is that um, in the retirement plan space it tends to be one-sided because most. Uh, Plan sponsors are ill-equipped to deal with the contract. They don't hire an ERISA attorney, at least an, an independent ERISA attorney. They may work with the ERISA attorney for the TPA or the ERISA attorney from the investment council, but they tend not to have that contract reviewed. And, you know, it's boilerplate language drafted by the plan provider. So uh, it's always going to be stacked against the plan sponsor. And I really believe that it's important for plan sponsors to have ERISA counsel to review agreements, uh, to you know understand the fees and understand the level of services and questions regarding any type of termination clauses. Uh, unfortunately, in this business, you will have plan providers that will promise plan sponsors the moon and just fail to deliver. Um, you know, I've seen contracts where you have financial advisors saying they will serve in a fiduciary capacity for the plan, but the contract disclaims any fiduciary role and fiduciary liability. Uh, again, a contract reviewed by an arrest attorney is going to go a long way to protecting the plan sponsor for any unforeseen harm, uh, you know, that is within that contract. And, um, you know, the problem, obviously, with hiring a plan provider uh, it's like getting into marriage. Uh, you, you go in with the best of intentions. Um, you know, things may go south. And, uh, you know, the difference between a marriage 
and a plan provider uh, hiring is that most marriages uh, really is to the deathless part. Plan providers, using that line that I use all the time with uh, a radio caller uh, asking David Johnson if he's hired to be fired, plan providers eventually are going to be fired one way or the other. Uh, it's a relationship that will not last forever. So that's why it's important that every plan provider contract has a termination clause um, you know, that have a notice requirement as well as the costs that are due for a plan provider uh, through, you know, the, the conversion process, whatnot. Um, you know, from my experience in, in dealing with a certain TPA that I filed a Department of Labor complaint against, uh, the termination costs should be clear and understandable. Uh, and a TPA should not be expected to be compensated for services that they've already been paid for, such as, you know, the Form 5500 for the year that they've been fully paid. Um, and, and again, that, that deals with that certain TPA that I, I did file a complaint with, uh, the Department of Labor. Another s small stuff that, you know, um, plan sponsors uh, shouldn't uh, ignore is dealing with the annual census request and client questionnaire. Um, I always say with uh, testing results um, in, in compliance and garbage in, garbage out, meaning uh, it's important for the plan sponsor to provide correct information to the TPA regarding um, compliance and uh, compliance year end and making sure the information is correct. Um, you know, again, each year the TPA will provide the plan sponsor with annual census requests and client questionnaire. Um, a lot of times the information year to year sounds redundant and, you know, unnecessary. Uh, it is a necessary exercise because the census requests and client questionnaire are dependent on uh, for the plan sponsor's compliance testing and it's important, uh, you know, compliance part of it uh, is an important part for the plan to be tax qualified in the Internal Revenue Code. And, uh, you know, there, there are changes that a plan sponsor goes through, they buy companies and whatnot. And it's important that, you know, salary information is correct, deferral information is correct, control group possibilities and, and affiliate service group. So if somebody buys a new company, um, you know, it's identified if the plan sponsor has another retirement plan that's got to be identified. Uh, and, you know, unfortunately, I've seen a lot of plan errors. Not that's the TPA's fault. The TPA relied on the plan sponsor providing correct information on the census and annual questionnaire, and they flubbed it. And like I said, garbage in, garbage out. Another small item that obviously plan sponsors forget about is fee disclosures. A plan sponsor has a fiduciary duty to pay only reasonable plan expenses. Um, that doesn't mean that they should pay the least amount of fees. It just means it needs to be reasonable. And the only uh, way to understand whether the fees being charged are reasonable is uh, by checking what other plan providers would charge. Um, you know, plan sponsors need to benchmark their fees and show evidence of it. And they can't afford to take their provider's word that their fees are reasonable or not. Uh, it's important also, uh, last but not least, 
uh, a small stuff that, uh, again, too many plant sponsors ignore are dealing with records and notices. Um, too many plant sponsors don't take minutes of their fiduciary meetings. They don't keep attendance of participant enrollment education meetings. They don't keep copies of plan documents. It's important for a plan sponsor to have, you know, good records. Uh, that also includes handing out participant notices. That includes um, handing out copies of the SPD, summary in your report. Um, you know, plan sponsors really have a job to do, um, and it's, part of that is, is record keeping. Um, and sometimes that record keeping is just, you know, holding on to previous plan documents. I've seen too many times, you know, the IRS has this view. If you don't have it, it wasn't done. So if a plan sponsor doesn't have a copy of a required restatement, like, you know, the TRA-86 or uh, TEFRA, DEFRA, RIA, and, and all that stuff, and GUST and PPA and whatnot, the IRS takes a view that it was never done, even if it was done. And uh, plan sponsors get in trouble for that and deal with voluntary compliance program situations or audit cap situations just because they didn't have the copies of the plan documents uh, anymore. So, um, you know, good record keeping to me is all about following a prudent process that kind of goes hand in hand with being prudent uh, as a 401k fiduciary. Um, you know, the you know, to me, following a prudent process is all about that get-out-of-jail-free card out of Monopoly game. Uh, that, to me, is uh, the really the um, idea that a plan sponsor is doing their job and, and record-keeping um, and keeping track of everything uh, goes a long way to avoiding the problem uh, in an audit or a lawsuit, I mean, you know, the handful of lawsuits that are there for small and medium-sized businesses, I just think that, uh, you know, it, it good record-keeping just goes a long way. And like I said, it's something as simple as keeping, hand, you know, copies of all the plain documents, you know, giving out the required notices, just the small stuff. And like I said, most plan sponsors um, don't sweat the small stuff, and they really need to. Uh, because it's the small things that really get plan sponsors in trouble. So I hope you enjoyed this episode of that 401k podcast. And uh, again, uh, we will be live and in person in St. Louis, Minneapolis, and Houston. We hope that you can attend. Go to that 401ksite.com for further information on all those events, as well as the Las Vegas event. And, of course, the National Virtual Conference, which will be the following week after our Las Vegas event, January uh, 27th and 28th of 2022. And um, until next time, thank you so much. Take care. Bye.